This is the Hasidic Story Project with Barack Holman, podcasting from Jerusalem, Israel. This podcast is sponsored by listeners just like you. To become a supporter of this podcast, please go to HasidicStory.com. H-A-S-I-D-I-C Story.com. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll never know. You'll This week I'm going to share with you one new story about Yom Kippur and a couple of stories from previous episodes. It was the evening of Yom Kippur in the town of Yaroslav, just before the start of Kol Nidre, and a young Avrech, a young Torah scholar, bursts into the shul, doesn't even look left or right, goes straight up to the bima, and without any words or introductions, starts to begin the services with the Kol Nidre prayer. He sang from his heart, and he sang in such a deep and spiritual way that nobody asked him any questions. They just went along with it, even though there was a chazan, there was a cantor, and this wasn't who they expected to lead the davening. They were all swept up with the davening of this stranger, and nobody recognized him, and nobody knew who he was. But clearly, he was a very special neshama, a very special soul. And after the evening prayer ended, this surprise cantor chanted all of the shirei yichud, all of the songs of unity, and then began reciting Tehillim psalms one after the other, all while standing. And the members of the shul came back in the morning, and they see the mysterious cantor still standing on his feet, still absorbed in prayer. He hadn't stopped the entire night, and apparently he hadn't sat down the entire night either. And as soon as there was a minion, there were ten Jewish men in the shul. The mystery guest started to lead Shachrit, the morning service. Then when they got to the Torah reading, he read the Yom Kippur section by himself. He also chanted the Haftarah. He led the Yizka service. And then immediately afterwards, he began Musaf, which is a very long davening. And at this point, the members of the shul didn't understand who was standing there. How could a human being stand and daven for so long? And it wasn't just that he was standing there. His voice and his stamina just got stronger and stronger as the day progressed. There were times when the mystery chazan would be quiet and the congregation sang and they found themselves, through his leading their davening, reaching spiritual heights that they had never reached before. And they weren't sure, was this a human being or an angel? And as the day came to a close and everybody came for the Nila prayer, the last prayer of the day, the fifth prayer of Yom Kippur, everybody was swept up with the singing and the spiritual fire coming out of this mystery chazan who just came out of nowhere. And as he stormed the gates of heaven, asking Hashem to bring the Jewish people in the merit of their tshuva, complete salvation, everyone was sure that this couldn't be a human being. It had to be an angel. And one of those people that was present was Rabbi Yaakov Meshulam Orenstein, who passed away in 1839. And he was the author of Yeshua Shiakov, and it's from him that we know the story. And after the services ended, Yaakov Meshulam decided to follow this mystery guest back to where he was staying to see if he was going to eat something or not, because that way he would know if he was a human being or an angel. And he saw how he heard Havdalah, which officially ends the fast in Yom Kippur. He heard it from other people, and then he asked his host for some kfikinish, a tasty morsel, to refresh his soul since it was hungry. And so they happily gave him some cake and fruit, but they were shocked when he said, no, this is not what I mean. 
I mean, bring me a Gemara Sukkah, the tractate of the Talmud that talks about the festival, which comes four days after Yom Kippur. And carrying the large volume of the Talmud under his arm, he went to his room, saying that he wanted to rest. But Rav Yaakov, he looked in the keyhole, and he saw that the mystery Chazan opened up the Sefer, the Talmud, and started to learn with such an enthusiasm and excitement. He didn't pause for one minute. Rabbi Yaakov himself was so exhausted he couldn't stay awake. And so he went and broke his fast and went to sleep. But early in the morning, he decided to go back to the room of the mystery Chazan and see if he was still learning. And he saw that he was about to complete the final page of the Talmud and Sukkot. And only after he finished the entire Masechet did he come back into the dining room and ask for a cup of coffee and a little bit of cake. And this mysterious Chazan turned out to be none other than the great Rebbe, Rabbi Levi Yitzchak Berdichev, who would eventually become one of the greatest and most beloved Hasidic masters of all. And his son writes about him in the introduction to his own book, Keser Torah, that he raised up thousands upon thousands of Hasidim and ignited within them a passion for learning Torah and serving Hashem with love. And his own service of Hashem was so great that even the angels above were jealous of him. I bless you all, my sweetest friends, that this Yom Kippur, you and I, we daven with a little bit of the passion of Reb Levietzakabudichev, and that we're able to lift up the person next to us, in the whole row next to us, in the whole shul, in the whole city that we live in, in the whole country that we live in, in the whole world, in the all of existence, with our davening this Yom Kippur. May you have a Gemar Chatimatova written and sealed for a good and sweet new year of revealed good and revealed blessings. Here's a couple more stories from you from previous episodes. Every year, Reb David Laikis, one of the closest Hasidim of the Heligabal Shem Tov, went to his Rebbe for Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the year. One year, the craziest thing happened. On his way to Mejibuz, everything went wrong. The horses wouldn't go, one of the axles on the wagon broke, then a wheel broke, the wagon turned over, everything was happening to Reb David, and he didn't understand why. This went on for three days, and he said to himself, It's been three days already, and this is making me crazy. I don't understand what's going on here, but I have to make it to the Heli Kabbal Shem Tov for Yom Kippur. Finally, finally, he was just two miles away from Mejibuz. It was maybe 20 minutes to get there, and 20 minutes until Yom Kippur. He said to himself, Thank God, if I go really fast, I can make it on time. 
He was mamish crying and begging the horses. He said, please, please make it there. And please don't anything go wrong. We have to get to Mejibuz before the sun sets. Suddenly on the side of the road, he sees nine people running across the field from a little village, waving towards him. And they were standing there on the road by the time he got there. Even though he knew he had very little time left until Yom Kippur, he decided against his better judgment to stop and ask them what's going on. And these nine Jews said, Listen, we're only nine Jews living in this village here, and we need one more person in order to have a minion for Yom Kippur. Now, you probably know that Jews need ten people in order to say certain prayers together. And do you know why ten is such a special number? It's not like two, three, four, or five. It's the first number that's plural. And at the same time, it's also single. One, ten, twenty. So ten is a unit. It's the first number that reveals the multiple nature of God's oneness in the world. So we need ten people to pray together. And these nine Jews were mamish begging Reb David. They said, please stay with us for Yom Kippur. And Reb David said, are you crazy? Do you know for the last three days what I've been through? Also that I could be with my holy master in Mejibuz for Yom Kippur? I'm sorry, friends. Please don't be angry with me. But what you're asking is just too much. I can't help you. And of course, these nine men were totally disheartened. They walked away disappointed, not knowing what they would do. And Rev David, he called out to his horses, Let's go! And he starts galloping away. He arrived in Mejibuz just in the nick of time. And he saw that everyone was standing in line to wish a good yantov to the Rebbe. But when Reb David's turn came, the Baal Shem Tov somehow skipped over him. Ah! He said to himself, he probably didn't see me. After Yom Kippur, the Baal Shem Tov wished everyone a good year. And when Reb David's turn came, just a split second before he had a chance to put out his hand, the Baal Shem Tov was already shaking hands with the person behind him. So Reb David figured, okay, I'll stick around to Sukkot and we'll see what happens. By the time Sukkot came, Reb David realized this was no accident. He was intentionally being ignored by the Heilig Baal Shem Tov. So he went to his Rebbe, crying, pleading, Please, Rebbe, tell me, what did I do so wrong? What did I do to make you not want to talk with me and ignore me? And the Heilig Baal Shem Tov, with his piercing eyes, he looked at Reb David and he said, David, how many hundreds of years was your soul waiting for the opportunity to come into this world? And your whole life happened, and everything happened, just so that you could daven Yom Kippur with those nine men. And when the opportunity came, instead of taking it, you insisted on coming here. But you don't understand, Reb David. The whole reason why your soul came into this world was to pray with those nine men for Yom Kippur. So now, I'm going to daven for you. Bezat Hashem, you're going to be given a new mission. And this time, even if it's uncomfortable for you, even if it's not the way that you wanted things to be, you make me a promise, Reb David. When that opportunity comes your way, and you won't know whether it is or it isn't, you're going to take every single one of them, no matter how uncomfortable it is, and you're going to daven with every minion that calls you, and go every place you need to go. And Be'ezat Hashem, at least then, you'll have the opportunity to fulfill the purpose that your soul came into this world. It was the night of Yom Kippur in Lelov, and thousands of people had crowded together into the shul of the Holy Rebbe 
Reb David Lelever, to daven Kol Nidre, the special davening on Yom Kippur night. Everyone was waiting for the Rebbe to show up. It was time to begin the davening, but the Rebbe wasn't there. The Hasidim went out all around town to look for him, but nobody could seem to find him. They waited for hours, and the Rebbe didn't show up. So finally, at some point, they had to start without him. Later that night, as the Hasidim were heading home, they looked into the window of a house not far from the shul, and who do they see standing in the window? Gewalt! It was Reb David, the Rebbe, standing in a window. What was he doing? He was holding a baby and talking to two people, a man and a woman. The Hasidim figured that that was the father and the mother of the baby, but they had to understand what was going on here. So the Hasidim ran quickly to the house, and they knocked on the door. And the father answers the door. He says, Shalom Aleichem, how may I help you? They said, listen, we're Lelever Hasidim, the Hasidim of, of Reb David, who's standing right there, holding your baby. We need to see the Rebbe right away. Reb David, he heard that the Hasidim were at the door, and he comes over, still holding the baby. And he says to the Hasidim, what's going on? Why are you all here? The Hasidim look at the Rebbe and they say, why are we here? Rebbe, why are you here? We searched for you everywhere, and we waited as long as we could. Why didn't you come to shul for Kol Nidre? How could you miss the most special davening on the holiest night of the year? And Reb David, he looks at the Hasidim and he said, it's very simple. I was on my way to shul, and I passed by this house, and I heard a baby crying. Not just crying, but mama screaming. <coughs> and they were coming from this house. So I knocked on the door and waited, and nobody answered. In the meantime, the baby is continuing to cry. Then I saw that the door wasn't locked, so I let myself in. And I see this beautiful baby, all alone, yelling at the top of his lungs. So what am I supposed to do? I'm, I'm going to go to shul? No. I picked up the baby boy, and I held him, and I walked with him until he fell asleep. And then I stayed with him until his parents came home from shul. That's all very beautiful, said one of the other Hasidim. But tell us the truth. Wasn't it hard for you, Rebbe? I mean, in shul, the davening was so high. It was so inspiring. And normally, you lead the davening for thousands of people. And here you were, all alone, in this house, with a little baby. You gave up the davening of Kol Nidre. Your mamish gave everything up. Then the father broke into the conversation, and he said, It's all our fault. And Rebbe, we're so sorry to put you through so much trouble. You see, our baby boy, he almost always sleeps through the night. And we really wanted to go to shul. So we said, we'll put him in bed. We'll wait half an hour. And if he doesn't make any noise, we'll probably be safe to go to shul and daven a little bit. And then come right back home. We never imagined that he'd wake up and cry. Reb David, he looked at the parents and he looked at the Hasidim. He said to them, none of you understand. It wasn't any trouble. I didn't give anything up. And for sure, I didn't pray alone. I was with this beautiful baby. Can you imagine how hard I prayed? Holding this baby in my arms. It was the highest, deepest davening of my whole life. I poured out my soul to Hashem like I never did before. You thought that you can daven high when you're holding a Sefer Torah? You can daven even higher when you're holding a beautiful Jewish baby. Don't you see, the Rebbe said, davening is very important. But it's not the only thing. Even on Yom Kippur, would the master of the world have been happier with me if I had left this crying baby all alone? so that I could go pray in shul? Or was he happy with me that I was taking care of one of his creatures, just like he takes care of all of us? 
and all of everything. So the truth is, I was ready to not daven at all. If the baby cried the whole time, I was ready to stay here and play with this baby and walk this baby until his parents came home. And for me, that was the highest davening. The highest kol nidre I ever had was tonight when I was with this little baby boy. So you see, my friends, everyone wants to be holy. You can work on yourself all the time and try to guard yourself from anything that might bring you down. And that's very special and very beautiful. But there's another way to be holy, a different way to be holy. It's when you're ready to give everything up. You're ready to give up your davening, your learning, every level that you've achieved in order to help your fellow Jew. And the truth is, the level you reach when you're willing to make your own personal holiness smaller for the sake of another person, that's beyond everything else. Thank you so much for listening, as always, my sweetest friends. I want to wish you all a Gemar Chatimah Tova, and I look forward to dancing with you in the Beit HaMikdash that will be speedily built in our days. Amen. Lechaim.